You're listening to the Very Brave Podcast, the podcast for women who are looking to find their brave and take more bold steps in life. We'll be chatting with women from all walks of life about redefining bravery away from just physical and heroic battlefield acts and being more inclusive of emotional, moral and spiritual bravery. The very things women the world over are participating in every single day. If you're ready to be inspired by stories of feminine bravery from across the globe and you know it's time to make your next bold move, then get comfortable, grab a coffee and let's get started. Hello and thank you so much for joining me today, Shanna Kennedy. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you, an amazing woman that you are. Oh, thank you. We're here today to uh, discover about uh, your amazingness, though, and uh, some of the things that you've got to share about this topic of bravery. Uh, We've been having a little chat uh, about some of the things surrounding this topic and how we both agree that bravery isn't just physical feats, uh, things that, you know, society might traditionally reward, you know, with a bravery medal or a bravery citation. Before we get into that, though, could you tell uh, all of our amazing listeners uh, a little bit about you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, of course, I don't find it that fascinating because it's my story, but some people do find it fascinating, is that, you know, when I left school, I was brave. I, I just saw Wall Street, the movie, and decided I wanted to be a stockbroker. So I just did what all I could do, which was make a phone call, one phone call every single day to the HR person of a stockbroking firm. And this is 30 years ago until the lady realised I was going to ring every day until she gave me a job. So I got a job in the filing department in the dungeon. It was terrible, terrible, soul-destroying terrible. But I stuck at it and within two years I was up on that trading desk as a female where there were no other females so that was, that was exciting, but I did realise it was like the Wolf of Wall Street and I did not want to be there. So I left that industry and went to the sport industry and got the Jerry Maguire job, which was buying and selling athletes. And I didn't know how to do that either, by the way, but I was a bit of a fake it till you make it. Just say yes, just jump, just try, you know. We are not defined by our jobs, you know, so they're the rides that we get on and off all the time. So just try, even if we're not perfect at it, it doesn't matter, but at least give yourself the opportunity to learn. So that's what I've done my whole life. So I had 200 of our country's unbelievable Olympic um, and sporting elite athletes, and I got to meet their families, watch them compete. I married the job. I was obsessed with the job. I did the job to the best of my ability and it cost me my health, unfortunately. So I ended up with chronic fatigue syndrome and in bed for a couple of years. And then I realised that we all need a life plan. We all need to have a roadmap for ourselves that's inspiring, but, but doable and sustainable. And the athletes didn't have a life plan. They had a career plan, but not a life plan. And then corporate people had a career plan to become partner but no life plan and and just general public just didn't have a plan for their life of how they wanted to feel in each decade so that's when I started to study coaching when no one had heard of it so that was pretty brave because 
Why would you leave your Jerry Maguire job to become a life coach? How ridiculous people were saying, like, you've got to be kidding. You're going from helicopters to talking to people. So it was really challenging because nobody believed in me except for my husband. And I started by coaching my athletes into retirement and built a cracker business, which has been going now for 20 years, and then started writing books. Don't know how to write either, by the way. (laughs) Nearly failed English at school, but decided, I think I'd like to really share these tools and tips. So I've written my seven books and I speak around the country and I'm a mum of two and a wife and I just really try and show up every day. You know, I think that's the most important thing for me as a brave and courageous and kind and calm and confident human. Mm. I imagine that there's a little something inside of you uh, that makes you a little bit special and I I think I'm picking up on it because there's a little bit of it in me as well and that is that when you left school you made a phone call a day until you got where you wanted to be even though you didn't know what it was going to look like you went over into the the sports Jerry Maguire job as you termed it not knowing what you were doing just willing to say yes and work it out and then into coaching and you said that Uh, No one believed in you except your husband. So what can you put words around that, what that is in you? Yes. So because nobody had heard of life coaching here in Australia, it was already quite a great industry in the US. So I was looking at the US, but of course, nobody else was. So I knew what it could be. I knew what I could build and I knew that athletes had no plan and nobody cared for them once they finished their career, which sometimes is 27 years old. Uh, So I had the passion and a vision and other people just couldn't get it. Like, why would you do that when you could have a great corporate job with a, a big salary? And I was like, well, my health actually can't even cope with that kind of thing. It's seven days a week. It was too big. I I did my job too well. So they kept putting more responsibility on me and and it broke my my body because I didn't care or protect the asset, which was myself. But I believed in myself. My husband said, I I think you'll be great at it. You know, you've, you've lived and breathed athletes for the last eight years. You know how they tick. So you'll be incredible at building their life plans. So I just, I just had to really get that brave box out and just have a go. You are listening to The Very Brave Podcast. And if it doesn't work, go back to your, to your corporate job. But, you know, 20 years ago to work from home was a really big thing. No one had even heard of it. And to start a mini practice like that. So it, it was brave and it was really hard work. It was really hard to get what life coaching was across to people because they'd never heard of it, whereas now everybody knows what it is. Mm. So it, it was, it's been a journey, I have to say. It is not an overnight success. Mm. So how would you describe bravery then? Like in your words, what, what does it mean to you? Bravery to me means calm confidence. It means it's that internal connection that you're calm, you know who you are, you know where you're going and you know how you want to get there. And I think that's brave to want to own that story and not rely on other people and take responsibility for our own story. And I think that's a really brave thing to do. And even with chronic fatigue and depression, which 
you know, once you have that to the level that I had that at the end of my sport job, 20 years down the track, I'm now in my 50s, I still have to manage that. So I still need to dance with chronic fatigue and depression on a daily basis. And that's brave because I could be a victim, but I see it as my gift. So I think a lot of bravery is all around mindset. It doesn't mean I have to rescue people from fires, as we were talking about, or floods, which is very brave. But it's also brave, I think, to be a coach and hold a very safe place for people to unpack their thoughts, which over the last two years have been just horrific for a lot of people who were living alone and, you know, in Melbourne's lockdown where, you know, you couldn't go out for more than an hour a day and curfews. For for a lot of people, it was the most painful thing. And to hold their space for them, you know, I I think it's brave to even attempt to do that for people, even though we've got all of the skills, I never take that for granted. But it's also brave for people to put up their hand and ask for help. When COVID came, first thing I did was get myself a coach because I knew I would have to fully reinvent everything because everything, my whole speaking business just died instantly. So the first thing I did was say, oh, I think I'm going to put my hand up and get some help. I'm not going to try and be the hero and do absolutely everything all on my own. Mm. And in holding that enormous space for all of these people who were struggling during the the two years of COVID. And I imagine for some people, especially for women, it's it's not over yet because, you know, we've still, there's the fallout from that. I know for myself, you know, being in New South Wales, we had, you know, the first lockdown, but then the one that we had last year, you know, by the end of that, I was at burnout. Very much, you know, knocked me sideways. Mm. What You said that you had a coach, but what were you saying to yourself, you know, on a daily basis to be able to show up and hold that space? which could have become a burden and you could have taken on yourself. Yes. So I was very protective of the asset, which is myself. So women, as women, we're really good at doing everything for everybody. And we're really good at multitasking and we don't switch off and that's why we burn out. So I really consciously decided to, if I need to last all of this time and have another 20-year career coaching people, I cannot burn out. So what are the strategies and tools and tips that I can implement into my daily habit plan that nurture, that allow me not to go into the red zone? They keep me in the, you know, the the green or the amber zone, but I don't don't go into that red zone ever because that's the danger zone. So every time I felt myself going towards it, it would be what can I do to pull myself back a little bit here? And rest is just as important as performance, we always say, with an elite athlete Mm -hmm. and women are very poor at resting. We don't give ourselves permission. We think it's lazy. It's a waste of time. Could be doing something on the to-do list. But with an athlete, if you don't value rest and recovery, you cannot turn up and do a PB. So I thought of myself as an elite athlete running a big marathon, and I had to stop at those drink stations every day. So every time I went to the bathroom, I had to take my three deep, grounding, calming, confident breaths, do some mirror work, high five myself, have a drink of water and open the door again to the next 90 minutes of my life. Whereas most women will just run in as quickly as you can, wash your hands and run back to the laptop. Mm -hmm. So I really disrupted the way that I 
commuted between my office here and the toilet across the hall in my house. And I really made a very distinct reset, like six times a day resetting myself. And we really need to do that. Like every day is a marathon. And if you don't stop at those Gatorade stops, you're going to end the marathon completely empty. Mm. So I just saw them as how can I do mini top-ups? And when we think about, because for me that in itself is brave, like deciding that you're going to set up a regime for yourself that puts you first um, because as you described it, you're the asset. And we have so many messages as women that we should be thinking of everybody else first and making sure that everyone else is okay. You are listening to The Very Brave Podcast. In terms of spiritual bravery, moral bravery, emotional bravery, do you feel like you went on a journey with those things over this period of time? And in fact, when you look back on your whole career, how do you feel about that? Yes. Well, when you're in bed with chronic fatigue and depression, I got myself a coach. I didn't get a counsellor or anything. I got myself a coach. And we really worked at how do we unpack the way that I live, which was A-type, overachieving, perfectionist, achievement junkie. How do we unpack that and then repack it into a healthier version of that that has longevity? Mm-hmm. So health had to become first, and I never valued health prior to that. But health doesn't mean do I feel great. Health is four beautiful buckets that I need to work on, and they're the boss, mental health, physical health, emotional health, and spiritual health. So that is the purpose for the rest of my life every single day. The job is just the ride that you get on and off during the day. But the real boss, the real purpose is if I can keep my mental health tank full, my physical tank to the bit, you know, sharp and like a Ferrari, and if I have emotional health, which is the ability to give and receive, the the ability to receive, I'll say that again for women, and spiritual health, which is belonging to something greater than ourselves. When we consciously make that the job of the day, then it is easy to go and wash your hands slowly. It is easy to look in the mirror and have emotional health. I love myself. I love my life. What do you need right now? Take a breath, pace yourself, congratulate yourself on the last client or the space that you held or that you you made sandwiches for the kids in homeschooling. So just just slow it all down in the mind. And it's it's a very hard thing to do, but I've made it my power skill for the rest of my life, basically, because I think then we can make great decisions. We can avoid sickness. We can find joy and happiness in our day, just in our day. And we don't ever then feel like we're on the treadmill of life, that spinny, racy mouse going around. I don't want to feel that ever again. So although I'm incredibly busy uh, and back travelling again, which is amazing, so mindful that it's joyful, if that makes sense. Do you find um, when you step into a a coach, a new coaching situation, for instance, and you're uh, sharing your philosophy that women are challenged by that these things that you've just described to me, like that they can have a bucket that's full for mental health and one for emotional and one for spiritual and one for physical? 
Oh, yeah, they've never heard of it. And they're like, when when we do the list of what's important, they're, they're at the bottom. You know, I've got my kids and I've got my job and I've got my partner and, oh, I've got to look after my parents and myself. And the first thing we do is flip it. So you first, you put the mask on first and then help them all but someone's got to fill up the oxygen tank. And if you don't consciously do that, you will run out of oxygen even if you have the mask on. So they they do then get that concept of if I put myself first, even if I never say it out loud, that I look after my mental health and I have some great habits and my physical health and have some great boundaries and habits and my emotional health where I'm actually open to receiving, not just giving, and I, I can ask for help and our spiritual health, which is belonging to something greater than just our our crazy mind, it actually simplifies their life. They're like, oh, well, that feels really good. It's like I'm nurturing the plant so I can give everyone the tomatoes instead of giving everyone the tomatoes, but I haven't fed the plant for three months. Mm. So I'd like to tell people that they're a tomato plant and that if you nurture it every day, if you water it, if you talk to it, if you put fertilizer on it instead of weed killer, you will produce naturally great energy, great tomatoes that you can give to other people. But if you don't tend every day to those four buckets, you know, we're going to run out of energy. We are going to feel incredible burnout and that inner critic will take over. And how do you think we got there, Shanna? How did we get to the bottom of the pile? Because there was a time, you know, whether it was hundreds of years ago or even a thousand years ago, whereas women, we were uh, revered for our gifts and, you know, over time, that has come to kind of where we are today, where we all are challenged in some way. How do you, do you have any thoughts on how we got here? I think it is a something that's been going on for a very long time. You know, when we're little, we stand in front of the mirror and we're this close. You know, we're four years old and you love what you see and you know what you want and you have pure clarity and the day is great. And as we get older, we move away from the mirror and we become very disconnected. Mm. We try to fit into society. It depends what kind of upbringing that we've had or what a boss said to you one day and that sort of then shapes us into our adult world. But the most important relationship we can ever have is the one with ourself. And when that's going well, you know, we're back in front of that mirror again and life's pretty amazing when we're we're in that state. So that's why all of my clients have to look in the mirror. They have to kind, empathetic, compassionate. They have to be strong. They have to be brave. They have to be courageous and take this person on a journey every single day. Uh, And I think that's the most empowering thing that women can do is start loving themselves, putting themselves first up here, maybe not saying it out loud, but caring for the asset because then we can give more, then we don't burn out, then we can actually enjoy all of the wonderful opportunities that we have around us in this day and age. Ready to wake up every day and live your bravest life? Sign up today for our 365 Days of Brave and you will receive a daily brave message from Rachel Evans herself directly into your inbox, completely free of charge. Go to bravemedianetwork.com backslash 365 and sign up for your daily brave messages today. And you've mentioned some of your brave moves, you know, stockbroking, sports representation, 
and then essentially becoming Australia's first life coach. How do we encourage more women to make more brave moves? Mm. Well, I like to think of life as a playground and all of the jobs that we do are rides that we get on. So we've got the Ferris wheel, we've got the zipper, we've got the pirate ship. They're just jobs. They don't define you. They, You know, when you're at your funeral, no one says, well, she worked at this job for this long and got that KPI or it's growing you the person. And the jobs are what we do. We want to get on every day. We want to enjoy it, take our Gatorade stops and get off at night. But when we define ourselves by our title, we always get into trouble. So we have to have the life plan. And the job is up running alongside that. And I think we just need to allow ourselves the opportunity to try. If we don't like the ride, we get off. If we fail at the ride, we get off. We get on the next one. Mm. So I think having the attitude, the mental health of let's just not take it all too seriously. And I'm a pretty serious person, but, you know, I don't know how to write a book. Never been to a book writing class in my life. I just sat down and said, well, what would I want to read and how would I like to structure it that for myself? And that's how you how I write my books. And I've written seven of them like that. So do it your way. Do it the way that makes you feel good, but just try. You know, if we sell one book, that's great. If we sell 100,000, that's even better. But just try. I, th- I think that a lot of women think I don't know enough yet, so I won't try. Mm. We will never know enough. Impossible. So just try and learn as we go. And I think for women, like, you know, you mentioned type A personality, overachieving, this comes much more naturally when when we're in that space. For women who may be coming out of or are still in a bad relationship, not sure if they should be staying there for uh, their children, for instance, but they feel the society's pressure that they should try and keep the family together. Or someone that wants to start a business but doesn't have any support at all and is feeling, you know, deflated and isolated. Is it the same advice or is there something a little bit different? Yeah, I think it is because at the end of the day we come back to self-connection and progression is more important than perfection. And I I learned that by getting sick is if it's not perfect, it's okay. Just look, my book's not perfect. It's okay. You know, that talk that you did for a 1,000 people wasn't perfect. I forgot three things. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we put so much pressure on ourselves that we have to get it right instantly and be perfect at it. So taking time and just maybe celebrating that we're showing up and trying is so much more valuable for ourselves than the achievement list. Just show up, you know. I don't want to go to Pilates, but I just show up. And some days I'm really into it and some days it's just not there for me. I just do the motion. But you just show up. Just keep showing up, doing the things that you know are a part of the life plan of how you want to feel. And what would you like to see come out of this particular period with COVID um, and, you know, all of the the challenge that you've witnessed yourself? What would you like to see us as women, you know, take away from this period of time uh, so that it doesn't become that big defining moment where we all got exhausted and homeschooled forever? What would you like to see? I would like to see women reinvent themselves 
just for themselves internally to say, okay, I, I had a really intense couple of years and they'll probably be till the end of this year as well. So an intense three years of having to navigate and embrace change that was out of my control. But what I learned was I need to control the controllables. Mm. And I would love women to really focus on controlling the controllables and reinventing themselves with better boundaries, better like protection of themselves and maybe taking some of that time where we're helping everybody else and bringing it back to what am I doing for my mental health, my physical health, which is eat, move, sleep and breathe. What am I doing for my emotional health? Do I need maybe just to ask for a bit of help or do I need to connect with some more people or grow my network so I've got more people around me? You know, what were the lessons that you learned in the last couple of years and how would you like to reinvent the way that you operate on a daily basis? And I think we've all got that great opportunity right now to just sit and reflect, to sit and maybe rethink about our own values and what's most important to us and create that new fresh vision for ourselves on what are the words that inspire us? What are the quotes that inspire us? You can't be it if you can't see it. So we need to create a vision for ourselves, a roadmap for the brain about the next five years, how do I want to feel? What do I want to be doing with my time? What do I want to learn? Because we all know when women are learning, they're happiest, not just doing, learning. So I would love to see the great reinvention happen where we've come out a little bit burnt, a little bit totally exhausted from homeschooling and, and just working in the room and all of that kind of stuff and reinventing to feel fresh, to breathe again, to just take the time when you're washing your hands to breathe. Nobody's breathing. It's all this shallow, racy breathing. Just learn the art of breath as your superpower for the rest of your life because that's what gives us energy. That's what keeps us calm and confident. And then we make brave decisions when we're in that space. You are listening to The Very Brave Podcast. We can't make brave decisions when our brain can't think because we're just in survival mode, shallow breathing. Mm, definitely. I was told the other day that I was doing far, much, far too much shallow breathing, so I know all about that. I had a little acupuncture for it, actually. So when you wash your hands every day, you can do your three diaphragmatic breaths. So that's, you know, 18 times a day you would be taking a proper breath and then your, your lungs actually get trained. Mm. And the direct link between the brain and the nervous system is the breath. And if we can tell the brain and the nervous system to slow it down, it will think clearly. It will make better decisions. Now, one final question. We've spoken about uh, brave moves, but I'm guessing that even on top of the extraordinary things that you've already done, including writing seven books, that's enormous, that there must be another brave move or two uh, in you. Can you share with me what your next brave move might be? Yes, so I've got a couple of brave moves. So one would be in two years, you know, my kids have finished school, so it's a whole new chapter sort of feeling. Like it's a bit scary. Like I know it's exciting but scary. Like my whole life has been with these children, so that's a bit scary and then I'm going to have to be brave and reinvent there. But I've also started to collaborate with one of my clients and we have 
a wonderful full-day workshop that we want to take globally. Why are we just thinking Melbourne? Let's think Mm. nationally but globally. So we've been away for five days writing this incredible program which I'm re- that really she's been a CEO for 20 years and I've been a coach for 20 years and we're trying to combine those. So it is brave to put yourself out there with new products because you have to hustle again, you have to sell again and sell your soul a bit. But I really hope it changes people's lives. I really hope that the plan that we've come up with is life-changing and helps people really reinvent themselves. So It's brave to go out there again into the world when we've been so insular for a couple of years. Yeah, definitely. Well, that sounds exciting. I look look forward to hearing more about uh, that as it evolves and it goes out into the world, uh, the whole world. Uh, Sounds amazing. Dana Kennedy, thank you so much uh, for joining me today and letting us know about your amazing career, but also I think... I feel just really nurtured uh, speaking with you about, you know, the the space that you were able to hold for so many during the, the last couple of years that we've had and some of the advice that you've given just in this short amount of time. I'm already reminding yes. myself to breathe. So <laughs> I, I never see it. I never see it as, you know, you talk about career and, oh, you know, we've written seven books and travelled and whatever. I actually don't even think that that's the achievement at all. I actually think my greatest achievement, my greatest achievement is learning to love myself, my life, and to care for the plant. And that is fulfilment. And that achievement I hold much, much higher in my life of achievements than selling books and things. That's I've actually switched that around too. So um, that's it's a really powerful thing to do and something I'm proud of to do the work to care for that plant, um, I think has been a far greater valuable achievement than all of that worky stuff. Yes, and I can feel that, like that that has risen in you as well. So definitely that's the brave stuff. It's the taking the time to step back. Um, rise up for you and then everything else well falls into place I guess when you're in alignment and looking after you and it's a pretty confronting process to go through you know because happiness is an inside job and it all comes from our routines rituals and habits that make up 80 percent of our day and if we're not really wanting to own them and do the work around those then, you know, we will feel pretty burnt out and exhausted. And women, we're too special to be doing that, that's for sure. Well, Shanna, thank you so much again for sharing with me today. It has been just wonderful speaking with you. My pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Very Brave Podcast. If you like this episode, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Also, remember to give us a rating and review. I'll be reading out reviews on future podcast episodes and I'd love to share your insights. For more information and additional resources, check out the website at www.therealrachel.com and www.bravemedianetwork.com. I love hanging out on Instagram as well, so make sure you follow me there at The Real Rachel Evans. And let's continue this conversation. I look forward to chatting with you next time. Thank you.
Thank you.